Welcome and hey Nonny to a very special episode of Weekend at Crombie's 2020, A Year in Review, The End of the Pier. Welcome back, dear listener, as we go into our review year of a review of the year show. Uh, I'm Hugh. That's it. We haven't been watching a film this time, so I'm merely Hugh. <laughs> but uh, I do have in front of me um, a, a nice hot cup of cocoa, a mince pie, and also a machete in case the end of the year turns into the purge, which, to be frank, anything is possible. So I'm, I'm covered for every eventuality. And, and maybe better than anything that's happened in 2000, 2020 already. Um, wouldn't it? Getting out, purging. <laughs> yeah. My name is uh, Dr. James Evans Esquire, and I am currently finishing off the Christmas cheese. I have just finished off the Christmas pork pie and have a little bit of the Christmas ham left. Um, another ham. I should have. I mean, pork pie is also ham, but I've got some other ham as well. And I've also got some olives and some cranberries. Oh, it's just a hodgepodge of food that I want to get rid of, and I feel sick. But this <laughs> this uh, end-of-the-year review is a nice palate cleanser leading us into 2021's weekend at Crombies, isn't it? Marvellous, yes. And, of course, we, we are breaking tradition by not having this uh, at the New Year's Eve party because, of course, now we're all locked down. So we can legitimately say we are in our respective cubicles uh, in different parts of the country um, windows sealed against all possible oxygen that we can maintain a healthy broadcast indeed indeed and it also means that um, by any chance uh, an individual passing either of our houses given all of the windows are closed and locked won't accidentally hear any of the quality chat that that comes out of weekend might be persuaded to download the podcast it's not happened yet and our, <laughs> our highest um, listening uh, record is is three, and that includes both you and I as well. So God bless you, <laughs> dear listener. <laughs> if you're still there, yeah, hang in there, the wind, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but without further ado, let's get into it. James, I believe you have a plan for us. I do. Right. So what I thought I'd do is um, we go through some of the stats for 2020. I know I know that uh, Weekend at Compass is obscure enough as it is. Um, but <laughs> thought, let's add another layer of obscurity by by putting some statistics on already an unlistenable podcast just to make it even <laughs> even less listenable and interesting. But there we go. This is what I've done. Um, so we've got some uh, stats about the, the films from 2020, including things like um, you know, obviously the overall scores, the kind of rankings for the films, but also, you know, what the popularity of the films are, what, what the, the overall scores have been, and also the kind of average year that we've, we've chosen as well. I also wanted to have a think about how this year compares to previous years as well. And um, what I've also done is, is considered, you know, way back in the annals of time, um, season one and season two of Weekend at Crombies, has anything changed from those films? Any of the ratings changed? Any of the viewerships changed as we've gone through the years as well? And, and there's been some interesting changes, actually. Um, wh- whether you can ascribe them to our deep dive or not, I don't know. But certainly some films have been more popular since we did the podcast than others. Um, so I thought that would be an interesting thing to go through as well. I mean, I say interesting in the broadest possible sense of the term. And I'm stretching the term to its very limit, but interesting nevertheless. 
And also what I've been waiting for, again, since pretty much the beginning of this year, is that James told me he picked his six films with a plan. I did. Um, and of course, I, I, I picked my six films basically the night before, we, uh, <laughs> or even as we're recording. So I have no plan whatsoever. So I'm, I'm deeply interested into why the six films of James were inflicted upon me. <laughs> well, we might go on to this. Let, let's start then, shall we? Let's crack on. Yes, let's begin. <laughs> so so I want to start, I actually, just, just thinking about that kind of plan that I had with the films that I chose this year, I think um, it... It, it's 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 worth it's worth describing this in in comparison to the films that you've chosen actually Hugh because I think it does show a marked difference in in the process perhaps uh, I'm not saying one is better than the other but certainly a marked process so if we look at the six films that Hugh has chosen this year let's just have a little bit of a recap way back in what was it February 2020 before all of the pandemic kicked off Hugh's yeah. first film was Eric the Viking. Yeah, and chosen the, because Terry Jones had died, and I thought, yeah. oh, we'll remember 2020 for that sad event. Yeah, exactly. That will probably be the most memorable event of 2020. But there we go. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, Sorry, Terry. <laughs> the year of um, release for that film was 1989. Yeah. Now, the second film that Hugh chose in, uh, if my calculations are correct, April. <laughs> April, yep. <laughs> Yeah, it was Trespass, or Trespass, I don't know how you pronounce it, with uh, Ice T and Ice Cube, all the ices. Uh, Prior, was... I might add, to the uh, the resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement. I can't Indeed. claim credit for that, but no, that's, I don't just, think you can that's just the chronology it happened. Yeah, and also, given that in Trespass, Ice T and Ice Cube play quite stereotypical archetypal gangsters, I'm not sure that that's the film that you would necessarily choose as a kind of rebuff to um, to white supremacy. But there we go. Um, trespass it is. And I'm, I will actually come on to Black Lives Matter uh, a little bit later in the podcast as well. Some interesting things have gone on in the films that we've watched as a consequence of that, I think. But anyway, Trespass was was, was released in 1992. Then we had Memphis Bell, a uh, war oh, yeah. film starring um, Matthew Modine and obviously Weekend at Crombie's favourite, John Lithgow. Ah, yes. and the, the release been in date... every single year. We, we've got yeah, so every single year. Yeah, and if you don't choose a job, and also all chosen by you, you. Um, <laughs> if movie. you don't choose John Lithgow, or your family will die. <laughs> if you don't choose, I'll be, I'll be disappointed if you don't have a John Lithgow film in 2021. Um, he's done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Memphis Bell was released in 1990. Then it followed G.I. Jane, 1997, um, where Demi Moore um, plays the man, as it were. Um, and uh, is 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 you know proving her her worth in in the um, in the Marines. Practical Magic then followed um, relatively recently in in October. Uh, the Halloween episode, the least scary Halloween film I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and that was released about my limit. That was released in 1998. And then finally, the most recent podcast, a very popular Long Kiss Goodnight, and that was released in 1996. So we have 1989, 1992, 1997, well, I suppose it's, it's magical machine guns. Maybe there isn't any guns in it. There, I'm sure there's, there's some kind of gun, I think, that doesn't work. Fair enough. Practical magic out of the Viking outfit. There's any uh, yeah. 
there's only a modern man there's a bit it's a bit violent i say that like it's a scary movie it's a bit scary um this is this is from the man that's chosen newsies <laughs> <laughs> and the secret sorry. of nim <laughs> don't be knocking the secret of nim oh i'm not uh, i'm not yeah, but uh, I would I would say actually that's interesting because I hadn't considered that. But considering my concern that we'd we'd gone a bit bloke heavy this year, again, I, there's a dividing line. Half my movies had male protagonists, and the second half of the year had female. Yeah, that's very true actually. And and two of your three female protagonist films were the bastion of male action hero films, I guess. Really, both of which use the iconic phrase "suck my dick" as well. So there we go. So I'm not quite sure how. I, I don't think you can find a connection act. like that. <laughs> so so yours were all within that 10 year period so I, i'll 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 go through my uh, my six now this might give you a bit of an indication of the kind of the the structure or the methodology that i chose okay. it will come clear this is like um kaiser Soze's pinboard falling in front of my eyes i'm sure as soon as you describe it to me i will say i can see it now well the only thing i would say is that the order of the films isn't necessarily the order of the plan per se i've mixed them up a little bit as i've chosen throughout the year but the plan is there so the first film way back in january 2020 was the secret of my success michael j fox's um uh, comedy vehicle from 1987 um followed in uh march by juggernaut um with uh, oh, juggernaut juggernaut weekend at crombie's favorite anthony hopkins sir anthony hopkins <coughs> um was he in juggernaut I, he was in juggernaut yeah he was in the um he was the uh he was the police inspector oh of course he was so all i can see from that is richard harris um because it was such a great performance but you're right and, um, and roy Kinnear, of course oh i didn't yeah he would be the second person i was thinking of yeah indeed so juggernaut was so we had secret my success and... juggernaut was this year yeah i know <laughs> Because it fell right before the pandemic curtain, and therefore it was a, a lifetime ago. I think. I think. I remember watching Juggernaut in. I think it might have been the second or third day of lockdown. Really? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I vaguely remember. I remember feeling slightly on edge and slightly <laughs> anxious, and then also watching a slightly anxiety laden thriller as well which always wasn't the best thing in the world but there we go i didn't know there was going to be a pandemic um the the, the third third choice of mine was the people under the stairs so hang on so we've got the secret of my success 1987 juggernaut 1974 the yeah. people of my uh, the people under the stairs uh 1991 the uh, wes craven Holly, uh, horror film which yeah. i think i think you you surprised yourself a little bit in how relatively straightforwardly you were able to cope with it as, as, as a non-horror <laughs> yes. aficionado yeah, so that was by the I mean, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, 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 when I'm thinking of it, there's some bits that, yeah, I, I make me shudder. But yeah, it was generally a good film. Um, fourth choice of the year was Read My Lips, the um, the, the French thriller oh, yeah. about the deaf woman and, and um, Vincent I remember Castell. his moustache very clearly. <laughs> I remember he's like his kind of greasy hair uh, and, his, oh, and his leather jacket. Oh, really well played by Vincent Cassell. That was 2001. Uh, where that was released. Then, of course, we had this year's um, five-star film, our our our, um, our 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 winner for the year, I guess, really, which is the Court Jester. Uh, Three years in a row now, you can stop. The Court <laughs> Jester yeah. was our five-star film. I know, I know. <laughs> well, it is a five-star film. Come on, it's a five-star film. Yeah, yeah, I can't deny it. Can't deny, it. and that's 1955, uh, and that is the oldest film that we have watched uh, so far. In in it just the shows that all films are getting rubbisher as time goes by. There, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And then my final film was um, Il Gran Silenzio, uh, 1969, the Corbucci uh, spaghetti western, 
with uh, silence and a fantastic Klaus Kinski performance. So you you will you will you will have realised that my years are as follows: nineteen fifty, well, the nineteen fifties for the court jester, the nineteen sixties, the great silence, the nineteen seventies, juggernaut, the nineteen eighties, the secret of my success, the nineteen nineties, the people under the stairs, and the two thousands, read my lips. So I went in chronological, uh, well, I used the, the kind of decades, but I did actually add an additional um, uh, concept as well. So my, my rule is if I choose a film from a particular decade, I can't then choose another one that year from that decade. Okay, I, that I had not spotted. I, my, my guess was going to be all films that connect people who have some kind of disability. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, uh, read my lips, she has a hearing problem. Um, oh. Secret of my success, he's quite short. The great silence, he can't talk. Uh, what have we got? The court gesture. I mean, he's Danny Kay. That's in itself. Some yeah, kind it's of... a disability, isn't it? Yeah. So that, that, that's probably my punter. So you can... It really worked, did it? The, 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 the other thing is, is The Secret of My Success is a comedy. Juggernaut is a thriller. People Under the Stairs is a horror. Well, actually, Juggernaut actually, it, it, this it, it's quite work because Juggernaut actually is, is a disaster movie. It was, it was promoted and trailered as a disaster movie. No, but it's a thriller. So, I think we, 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 we decided that in the in yeah the, uh, yeah we decided it in the film. It was only after watching it that I realised that actually that's a thriller. But I'm calling it a disaster movie because that's how it was categorised. Yeah. So Secret of My Success comedy, Juggernaut um, disaster movie, People Under the Stairs horror, Read My Lips a thriller, Court Jester family, and The Great Science a western. So six different genres from six different decades. And again, once I've chosen one genre, I can't choose another. What did I pick? I picked I picked a fantasy. A kind of thriller, a yeah. war movie, war movie, uh, a another war movie. war movie. Well, a war action movie, practical yeah. magic, kind of horror fantasy. Yep, yeah. and the longest goodnight cover action. action thriller, action comedy. I'd call that action comedy. Okay, so it's almost. I didn't even think. I didn't think that far ahead. This is this is this is the two different methods, which is why our, our show well, has no structure. I, I, t- I tend to find that it helps me to choose films because I can't. I almost can't cope with the the world's history of all the films I could possibly choose. So I've done the same for 2021 as well. And I've gone from 90, the 1950s all the way to the 2000s. And I've chosen a genre specific film for each of those particular decades as well. Oh, okay. Very good. So you will know that January's choice is strange days. It's a science fiction film from the 1990s. So there will not be another 1990s or a science fiction film in 2021 for me. Well, that's okay because knowing my choices, there'll be about six 1990s films from me. <laughs> yeah, there will. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be at that sweet spot, just just as you were kind of, I don't know, you're like, I don't know, 16, 17, yeah. something like that. Just when you got cognizant of films and stuff like that. Yeah. They'll all be around that era. You'll have to watch all the sweary ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And just when yeah the the VHS the, the films are coming out, you see all the trailers and want to see the films that com- were connected with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so very interesting. There. So that's, my, uh, my average my average year was 1980. Yours was 1994. 14 difference. Overall, our our average year was 1987. So um, yeah, I mean you know a, a, a distinctly kind of different choice. Your you, yours your 1994. Uh, average year is similar to last year which was 95 and the year before was 1983 so oh, um, 83 was way back then it was way back it's because you had too late the hero from 1970 it really is because every every other film you've chosen oh apart from carrie pilby i should say which is 2016 so too late the hero and carrie pilby are other like, every, every other film every other film is 80s or 90s 
<laughs> well, yeah. I'm looking ahead to the uh, the films I've got shortlisted next year. It's not going to get much better. <laughs> That's all good. Doesn't matter, does it? Um, so b- before we go on to some some of the scores as well that we've given them, I, I also just wanted to go through the um, the popularity of the films as well. Oh. So I use I use a social um, kind of. Uh, I don't know what they're called. What is it called? Social? It's not a social media. It's like a social community website. That's rubbish. But anyway, a social community website called Letterbox, where um, I look at the, the the number of viewings that each particular film has has had um, uh, that, that we've chosen, and um, based on the number of viewings. So this is this is the point at which we watched the film. Things may have changed subsequently, but the point at which we watched the film. Which film do you think is the most popular in the public's consciousness of the 12 films that we have picked this year so just to recap the secret of my success eric the viking juggernaut trespass the people under the stairs memphis bell read my lips gi jane the court jester practical magic the great silence and the long kiss goodnight i am gonna say it's the secret of my success well, you would be wrong hugh oh you would be wrong um i'll give you one more guess then i'll uh, i'll reveal okay. Memphis Bell. Memphis Bell, no. Oh. So, no, the most popular or the most the most watched film, yeah. um, according to the the website Letterbox, that of the films that we have watched this year is Practical Magic, ah. with a whopping forty three thousand watches. Um, actually, what you've said, the secret of my success is eight thousand five hundred. And Memphis Bell, 5,700. Actually, Memphis Bell was the third least popular film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not in the we're not in the too late the hero realms of 367 people in the world have watched that. Uh, but, but still quite low. The least popular film, the, the most obscure film chosen this year. Any thoughts? Oh, um, no, had a discussion about it already. Have we? Mm. Um... Is it going to be the court jester? It isn't actually. It's Juggernaut. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Mm. Juggernaut's been watched by one thousand three hundred people. And that's it. Okay. Well, I have a stat of my own. Would you like to know what our most listened to uh, podcast was of the year? Our film. Which one would would have had the most listens? Which one would have had most listens? I mean, does it does it count if we've listened to the same podcast more than once? Because I think that's the only way we're going to get to more than two listens. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure the stats I'm looking at are just basically spam accounts who are trying to get us to buy advertising. But then, the... then notwithstanding, which one do you think pulled in the most punters? Which one pulled in the most punters? I'm going to go for Memphis Bell. Yeah, it was The People Under the Stairs. Was it? By Slump Margin. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It's a good one. I'm not going to say the numbers because well, my ego can't take that. But yeah, the the others are clumped around, and the people on the stage is a good is good to get fifty percent higher than the rest. So that that is quite interesting because I mean it, it's it, it's hard to really tell because these are films that we've watched recently. But of of all the films this year, the people under the stairs from the point at which we watched it to today yeah. has had the most in the, the 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 biggest increase in people watching it. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, it's had twenty six percent more views as of today than when we watched it. Now I appreciate that you know some of them, the long kiss, good night, the great silence, we've only recently watched. Yeah. So there's not been a lot of time for that. But twenty six percent, for example, is a lot more than Trespass, Juggernaut, Eric the Viking, or The Secret of My Success, which were the ones previous to that. And actually, it's more than the tall guy from from last year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, 
something went on with the people under the stairs. It might. I, I wonder whether I can't remember exactly, but I wonder whether Wes Craven passed away relatively near the time that we did the recording. Maybe As there was Wes Craven died. Yeah, he died. He died this year, oh. and, and maybe also there was a DVD release of the people under the stairs that that yeah. came out. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it certainly has had some some impact. Um, Where is this? In terms of the, we'll get onto our own scores shortly because that, that's obviously the interesting thing. But um, in terms of the, the public, the the good people of Letterboxd, um, which film do you think has the highest ranking? on the letterboxd website and this is uh, this is from this is from the total number of ranking scores that they've given so we're talking thousands here yeah they're a discerning lot in letterboxd so it's they not going to be the most commercially yeah, talking about the imdb rabble <laughs> uh the highest ranked one i would say is gonna be Do you know what i wouldn't be surprised with people under the stairs still Actually, well, People Under Stairs, it has an average score on Letterboxd of 3.3. Okay. okay. Which is not the highest. Okay. The highest is actually The Great Silence. Really? Which has an average score of four. So it's a four-star Letterboxd film. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's a four-star film. Um, it's yeah, a good yeah I think we were not that impressed with it. They were very impressed with it, yeah. Wow. The lowest, the oh. poorest film, the least considered film <laughs> clearly one of mine um <laughs> uh which people people hate the most um eric the viking you're close but no banana i'm afraid it's in fact the i think the slightly um maligned gi jane really yeah which has an average score on letterboxd 2.7 the snooty bunch i tell you what though it is not the very very lowest score that we have had across all films would that be too late the hero it wasn't too late the hero no okay the very lowest score of any film on weekend at crombies was nuns on the run oh yes i remember that 2.6 which i think is harsh that's very harsh that is very harsh isn't it um i wanted to highlight to you some interesting points of change over the last couple of years actually so i had a look at the, the average score of the films that we've watched when we watched them and then i looked at the score of them now to see if there, if there had been any change over the, the previous couple of years and uh, there are a number that stand out actually so um one that one that stands out which i think I hope, well it might make you laugh i don't know too late the hero has gone down <laughs> average score from as more people watch it they really they, they, they rank it lower. So it's gone down from 3.3 to 3.2. Not a lot, but it has gone down. Um, now, what, what's interesting about Too Late the Hero, when we, had, when we actually watched the film, it had been watched by 367 people in the world. Okay. It has now been watched by the grand total of 630 people. So wow. it's not really taken off. It hasn't it's really doubled. taken off. It's definitely. I think, though, given that it has an average rating of 3.3 on Letterboxd, and given that you gave it five stars, I th my own personal view is that Too Late the Hero is probably the quintessential Weekend at Crombie's film. Oh. Because it's been seen by so few people, and yet it isn't a terrible film. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's actually quite a good film yeah. that just has not been seen by people. That's probably the most extreme version. 
All right. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that. It, I think in many ways, Too Late the Hero is our most extreme film we've picked. Yeah. Um, it's the ultimate outlier. That and Lens on the Run, which I stand by. I stand, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Dancer in the Dark keeps going from strength to strength. Ugh. That has now increased its viewership by nearly 200% and has increased its, its public ranking from 4 to 4.1. So everybody loves that film. I know you don't. Now, there are two particular... Well, uh, quick Down Under has gone up as well quite a lot, which I well, find... Let's, let's, let's linger on Dancer in the Dark. Would mm. you like to know what the, the least popular film um, recording we've had is? Oh, it's not Dance from the Dark. Oh, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. I was, I, was, I was all revved up then. I think it's the least popular of season one. Hmm, least. It is. Yes. It's, oh, it's not even that. It's Two Lead the Hero. Okay. <laughs> I can't. Two Lead the Hero again. I was looking at the stats. I can't throw. Actually, no, the. Uh, um, F for Fake is is the lowest. No, the bounty's lower than that. I'm just going down the list here now. Um, <laughs> I can throw no more slings and arrows at Dance in the Dark. Farewell. Let it have its success. Let. Uh, yes. Well, uh, F a fake, the only documentary that we have chosen thus far as well. Um, it, it, it remains me to say as well that Dancer in the Dark is still the film with the most five-star reviews. 25% of every single one of the people that watch Dancer in the Dark give it five stars. I'm going and back that, to IMDb. <laughs> that, that is 10% higher than the next highest which is the great silence. Well, I think so, that is that is why we are still in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Yes, People yes, cannot yes. make good choices. So there, there's a, there are there are two films in particular that I wanted to draw your attention to actually because yeah. I think this is quite interesting. They were both in season two, okay, and they have both increased their viewership by the most number in season two. Um, 130 and 145% each more viewers since we watched those particular films. But not only that, they are the two films that have increased their score by the most amount. One from 3.4 to 3.5 and one from 3.4 to 3.6, which isn't an insignificant, it's not an insignificant increase given, given the numbers that we're talking about here. So these two films, and you, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter um, movement, and I wonder whether this has something to do with it as well. They are set it off and bamboozled. Ah. So they are two films that have increased by a, a, a I mean, and when I say the most, I significantly the most. Everything else has increased by about 0.05 of a ranking. Yeah. Bamboozled has gone up by nearly, you know, nearly nor. Well, it's gone up by more than 0.25 five ranking points if that makes yeah. sense so that, that talking... does make yeah that makes sense to me for the nature of its film in itself um i can imagine that getting a lot more views on it this year yeah yeah um so bamboozled went up from about five thousand views to, to well over ten thousand views wow. uh, and that's within the year that we've watched it so i think that's quite an interesting one really um so yeah th- there we go there we are that's 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 the, um, uh, the what the public think and, and the years. I think we'll, we'll take a little break now for people to top up their glasses of port, and uh, we'll, we'll start to get, give a, a review of, of the um, the weekend at Crombie's canon and the, the the scores that we've given them. Join us then. Welcome back, dear listener, uh, and let's begin right away with the most important question, James. What are you currently eating? Uh, in my mouth at the moment is um, a dry What's roasted peanut. Mouth? A dry well, roasted peanut. So mm. You've already migrated from the cheese and the ham. Oh no, I've got half of my Stilton and fig and olive 
uh, chutney on a baguette. Still got half of that left. I've just I've moved on to the dry roasted peanuts. So I will go back to the... Give yourself some texture. That's a good idea. Well, and also when you're talking, I find you can kind of get away with eating the dry roasted peanuts. A mouthful of Stilton and chutney, whilst I'm trying to describe the uh, the, the years weekend at Crombies, is, is, is more of a challenge. I can see a Sergio Leone trilogy called Imagine's <laughs> Chutney. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so you you had some interesting facts for us. More interesting facts. More interesting and also more interesting. Even more. So even more, more interesting facts. So um, this year, this year's, this season's Weekend at Crombies um, has uh, made history, oh. <laughs> shall we say, because we have um, a new entrant to the top score podium. Yes, yes. It was obviously we we we've, we've obviously had Breaker Morant as the the only previous film with uh, ten disembodied Crombie heads given to to it. But we have a new a new member of the club, and that is of course the court jester, which we court both jester. gave five stars to. But I, I and you know we, we've we've laughed at the fact that the court jester is our uh, is is a, a ten disembodied Crombie head film, but it, it is un, un, undoubtedly um, we score we score a film on its merits, not on whether you know how it compares with other films, but no, on no. the type of film it, it set out to be. I score my films on whether I like them or not, and I like <laughs> the court jester a lot. Um, yeah. I, I'm, so we could have had two. We could have, have yes. only had one top five in the in the past two years. We could have had two had I not been so recalcitrant in scoring my own film. Well, this is why it's important that the person that chooses the film yeah. also scores first. Of course not. But but nevertheless, the long kiss goodnight was so close, so close. Um, and it it is um, our only other. So we have two ten disembodied Crombie head films, the Court Jester and Breaker Morant. We have two nine disembodied Crombie head films, the Long Kiss Goodnight. Can you think of the other one, Hugh? Uh, no, but I know you picked it. All the way back in season one, Runaway Train. Are you saying that, oh, in the, across the history, not just uh, not just the the season? We've only had two nines. We've only had two tens and we've only had two nines, correct? Did I score one away train for four stars then? You did. You gave it four and I gave it five. I think in fairness, I may have felt quite bad about the uh, Phantom of the Paradise, so I would have given whatever <laughs> you put in front of me four stars. Well, Phantom of the Paradise didn't... <laughs> We'd only done that for four months and I feared it would end there if I'd give it any less. <laughs> it didn't die for nothing. <laughs> so we've got we've got two ten disembodied Crombie head films, The Court right. Jester and Breaker Morant. We've got two nines... The Longest Good Night and the Runaway Train, and we have two eights, and we have a new a new eight as well from this year, and that one yeah. was one of yours, Hugh. Oh, um, can I remember what it was? It could only be. <laughs> um... <laughs> Put me out of my misery. Memphis Bell. Memphis Bell. You gave a four to Memphis Bell. Would I give a five to it? No, you gave four and I gave four. Wow, wow, we go. We're some hard scorers, but uh, take and those six be, films and put them yeah. together. You have a very strange matinee. You would. But the thing about Memphis Bell was, um, I think going into that film, there's no way in my head I was thinking I'm going to give this four stars. Yeah. But, but when it ended, I thought, that, that was great. That was great. You can't be sniffy about these things. 
Well, it, again, the, the, the court jester is the perfect example. When I was watching, I was thinking, as it is, you know, as Danny Kaye was beginning his little song in a bee costume, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. thinking, where, how low can this floor go? Yeah. But when he's into it, when, once you get into it and he starts uh, doing all the stuff, you're thinking, wow, they've really done well on this. Yeah, absolutely. Clap, you know. I now I now watched over the season. I saw um, the White Christmas, and my oh. first thought was, "Oh, it's that guy off the court jester." <laughs> Not the other way around. Not the other way around. Very good. Um, but we've also made history this year as well, Hugh, because we now have a bottom film, oh. a film that we have given the lowest score to across all of the years of Weekend at Crombies. And we don't it give zeros. Mia, three disembodied Crombie heads. Three. And let's just put this into perspective. This is lower than Muses, which is singularly <laughs> the worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. It's lower than your worst film, uh, Dancer in the Dark, and Phantom of the Paradise. It's also lower than Harry and the Hendersons, Carrie Pilby, and The Heartbreak Kid, all also very low-scoring films. Did we score Carrie Pilby that low? It was, yeah, we did. I think Carrie Pilby, we, we scored that low because it had potential. Yeah, yeah. Very, very hard. So, so, so one scored three, three points. Well, three disembodied uh, Crombie heads. Three one of them gave it one star. It, it wasn't read my lips because we both enjoyed that. It wasn't meant for spell clearly. It wasn't people in the stairs. It couldn't have been trespass. Was it Eric the Viking? It was Eric the Viking. Yeah, because actually, again, I remember it fondly, but it wasn't, was it? It wasn't good. No, so you gave it two stars. Yeah. Um, which is quite harsh, I suppose, and particularly because it was a film that you chose as well. It's quite harsh for a film that you chose. I gave it one star. I thought it was terrible. And again, I think a bit like Carrie Pilby, it's got a lot of potential. I think that was where you went with it. You said it's wasted potential to have that, yeah. that star, criminal waste in potential for those stars and that talent in that film. It's unforgivable, I think. With that talent, it should have been a better film. It should have been a better film. But it is actually yeah. the worst film that we've seen, according to our, our ranking, in, in three years of Weekend at Crombies. So we've gone from, you know, we've gone from well, the sublime... I'm very sorry, Terry Jones. I wish I'd beat Jabberwocky now. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I quite like Jabberwocky, but who knows if I'd watched that, it might have been terrible as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's been ups and downs. It's been ups and downs. But what I would say is, this year um, has been a lot closer in our scores. We've certainly converged. Okay. So, in 2018, there were four films that we scored the same. Okay. Santa Claus the Movie, <laughs> um, The Secret of Nim, F for Fake, Nuns on the Run. Oh, sorry. And there was seconds as well. So, there's five films that we scored the same. Okay. Okay. In 2017, uh, sorry, 2019, there were six films that we scored the same: The Heartbreak Kid, Condor Man, Breaker Morant, Carrie Pilby, The Tall Guy, and Harry and the Hendersons. And in 2020, there were seven films that we scored the same: ah. Secret of My Success, Trespass, The People Under the Stairs, Memphis Belle, The Court Jester, Practical Magic, and The Great Silence. All the same scores from us. So we have diverse, and actually. There has not been a film this year that has had two disembodied Crombie heads difference between us. All you, of them you, within one. Whereas now, is this in, happenstance or is this the fact that we are, we are, we are again, because like, I'm conscious of when we first started this, I would write down my score immediately after seeing the film. Yeah. And then I would, I would sort of, I would go to the, go to the recording with that score sort of planted as a flag and I would, I would go around that score. 
and much more now I've come in not knowing what the score is, but having a general idea of how I felt about the film. Yeah. And but, the, the conversation crystallised yeah, my thought. Almost allowing yourself to be persuaded, right? Because I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I've certainly gone down that road as well. So that it, it is likely. And, and I think that that does show. In, in 2018, there were three films where there were three disembodied he- head differences between our scores. So Phantom of the Paradise, I gave four, you gave one. Too Late the Hero, I gave two, you gave five. <laughs> Dancer in the Dark, I gave four, you gave one. In, in, in 2019, there weren't any threes. There was only one, two difference, and that was I gave Newsies one. If I could have given that half, I would have. Uh, you, gave that, you gave that three. This year, there's been no 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 two two star differences between us. Um, what this does mean, though, is that if we look at the, the scores that, that themselves this year, um, in terms of uh, our overall score, this has been our favourite year. Um, ah. It's been our favourite year for films. It's we, we've given it an average weekend at Crombie's score of three point two nine disembodied Crombie heads. If you can give that, that compares to two point seven nine last year. It was a terrible year, wasn't it? Blimey! <laughs> and three point two one in our first year. So we, we've obviously we've been happier with the films that we've chosen. The average score for my films three point three three. The average score for your films three point two five. So very oh, close. So close. What I would say is that. The films that I choose, my score for the films that I choose, 3.67. The films that I chose, but your score, on average, 3.33. The films that you choose, your average score is 3.17. Wow. My average score for the films that you choose, 3. So (laughs) what's interesting about that is that you have scored my films higher than you have scored your own films this year. I, I, there's no need to thank me here. Um, <laughs> the only other thing I was going to say as well is that I think you, you made it. You made a, a, an interesting comment at the end of the Long Kiss Goodnight, where you said it must be the first time that I've given a film that you've chosen a higher score than yeah. you. Um, it's not true, and actually, I am more likely to give a film that you've chosen a higher score than you than the other way around. Really? Weirdly. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're more likely to score one of my films higher than I am to score your films higher. That's right. So let's have a think about this. So I have given The Long Kiss Goodnight. I gave that five. You gave that four. Uh, which was the other one? Uh, oh, yeah. Set It Off. I gave that four. You gave it three. Oh. Yep. And the other one was Quigley Down Under. Well, I gave it a four and you gave that a three. The only time that you have scored one of my films higher than me, if I can pick it out here, uh, it is... One minute. This is cracking. Outland. Really? Yeah, so you gave that three and I gave it two, which I think was perhaps a bit harsh on me. I have very fond memories of Outland. Yeah, I, 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 I think... I think I I think that was a low score for me. I can't remember why. I think it was um, December. It was cold. We had late, <laughs> it was one of those December's we could actually go out and do things. So we were probably both run down with Christmas business. <laughs> That's true. Actually, we were probably actually didn't we? Yeah. So there you go. So um, yeah, it, what what I do find interesting there is that we've got um, uh, you you've scored the films that I've chosen higher than you, you've scored your own films, but you do score your films higher than I score your films. I should add, although again. 
I, I would say that I have given the full range of scores for your six films. I've given a one, a two, a three, a four, and a five. <laughs> so there we what, go. What's, one, what's, what's my range then? Do I hover around so, the, the twos uh, to fours? I probably never give a two. I probably, have I gone below? Th- I gave two for Eric the Viking. Eric the Viking a two. Yeah. But you are, and, and you obviously gave the court jester a five. So you've not given any ones this year. Yeah. Uh, not I think it's been a better crop of films. I think the I potential think so. banana skins, like the court jester, and maybe, again, you hadn't seen the uh, Il Gran Silencio. So that, that was one thing too. But I think there's been fewer banana skins, whereas last, you know, the previous two years, we were doing, again, Bamboozled could have been a potential disaster. We had neither seen those. Carrie mm. Pilby, um, Condor Man. <laughs> Well, I speed I race face. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose the only thing to say on it would be at the start in 2018, I was much more willing to. I wasn't. I wasn't willing to compromise on the films that I wanted to choose. Right. So you, you'll note that the three, three, two of the first three films I chose were Phantom of the Paradise and Dance in the Dark. Two films that um, I thought I'd like, but I can appreciate are divisive. Yeah divisive um whereas mine actually having said that who knows i mean the court jester could have been divisive right the great science yeah, exactly. could have been divisive so yeah. you, you just don't know do you actually yeah you yeah. just don't know no i think actually just it, the 50 50s fell the right way this year that's probably the only difference mm. um with yeah. probably the exception of eric the viking which didn't age as well as we thought it was juggernaut i mean you hadn't seen that that could have been an obscure that film terrible. that didn't do well yeah i chose that um, based on the poster yeah, so that that would that was another potential banana skin. Mine were only sort of if the nostalgia didn't hold up. And for example, say Memphis Bell, it did, but Eric the Viking, it didn't. Mm. Um, what else did we have? Practical well, Magic. GI Jane Glunk. could have been a disaster. I mean, GI Jane wasn't yeah. the greatest film, but it wasn't yeah. terrible. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but right. I, I think I think that would have been solid anyway because of the the, the talent involved in it. Mind you, you could say about Eric the Viking, that fell on his face. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we just did better with the with the potential banana skins, and there were a couple of quite solid ones in there. Like, say, Trespass was always going to be a, a a decent, you know, enjoyable watch. Um, so would say Practical Magic. You wouldn't have a terrible time watching it, this kind of stuff. The Long Kiss Goodnight, another one. So yeah, there were there were, were kind of there were good popcorn films in there, and the banana skins slipped the right way. They slipped the right way. I, I think the other one you could probably add to the potential banana skin that slipped the right way was the People Under the Stairs, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean. Uh, to, to me, it's not fondly remembered though. Um, it not, who, who I mean, picked that as being a, a good a good example? Was it? Um, if, if some filmmaker said it was a great example of having a black protagonist who was yes. to survive to the end or whatever. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, it, it's an interesting film. I wouldn't say it's well, in Wes Craven's filmography. I wouldn't say it's you know well known. Yeah. Per se, I mean, you know, it's not a nightmare on Elm Street or The Hills Have Eyes or Sp- um, Scream. Do, do you know what I mean? It's it's one of yeah. his lesser known ones. But um, but, but uh, the thing about that was uh, it, there isn't a huge amount of difference to me between that and Phantom of the Paradise. Um, I, I know it's a, I mean, in, in terms of their tone and stuff, but obviously yeah. one one hit and one didn't. So I guess the difference was yeah, it's one well, one was a musical and it was. Mm. And therefore, if well, I, I can, if you like, I can judge a musical because I know I know lots about it. This yeah. was a horror movie, so I couldn't yeah. say, "Oh, it's not like The Hills of Eyes or the, 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 whatever," because it's. That's like I'm just going to get. You through should this. have. You should have. You should have said that. You know what? 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 What I don't like about the people under the stairs is that it's not enough like The Hills of Eyes. I'd be like, "What? That's a totally different <laughs> film. What? What are you talking about?" 
And there's a, uh, we've we've traversed the scores. I think it's fair to say that I've won oh, this yes. year's weekend at Combis again. Three years running, so no, that's you all good. Please hold, hold the applause. Um, there's a, a couple of things I just wanted to highlight in part three around uh, various individuals that we might have seen a, a few films of over the years as well. So um, obviously top up your port and um, we'll speak to you soon. Uh, welcome back, um, dear listener. Um, I trust that you have topped up your alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage, depending on, on the way the wind blows, I suppose. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like quite a tentative host offering someone who may or may not have a drinking problem a drink. <laughs> Can I get you a brandy or perhaps tea, depending on which the way the wind blows? Are you back at the meetings, Brian? <laughs> yeah. It's like, would you like a brandy or or if you don't drink a Buck's Fizz? <laughs> um, right. So we, we've we've uh, talked through a little bit of the films that we've seen. I thought it'd be um, useful just to to kind of reflect on some of the 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 main protagonists of the films that we've watched. Um, so I thought I'd go through some of the kind of the the, the key the key things that we're talking about here. So the, the first thing to highlight here, we've we've watched thirty six films. Um, in our weekend at Crombie's canon, um, the core canon of 36 films, uh, th- that presumes that there's going to be some weekend at Crombie's offshoots, which there isn't. Um, but you know, there we go. Until but, our Patreon kicks in, then we get to, yeah, exactly know, yeah, special well, recordings. This is a bit like the when you win the lottery and say, "Well, I'll retire when I'm in the lottery." But to do that, I have to enter the lottery. So um, <laughs> it's you know, there's a lot of things that uh, have to happen before our. Patreon uh, activity starts, but nevertheless, what, we've what, 30... what would a special, you know, pay pay per view version we get at Crombies? Would it just be us doing Too Late the Hero again and again um, yeah. every month? Yeah, until... well, it would be it would be weekend at Crombies after dark, wouldn't it? <laughs> we sw- we swear really loudly, and we we're like a bit racist and a bit kind of homophobic and, and stuff I like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, pay- the, the Patreon wouldn't last long, but um, <laughs> no, I don't know what it would be. Maybe we would. Um, Take requests. Maybe, maybe we'd, 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 we'd supplement. We'd have to do a shortened version of the podcast for free, right? Like the yeah, highlights. I think, I, I, think, I think the paid-for version would be free, because it would be shorter, <laughs> because cause I think having to put up with, with an hour and 20 each month yeah. is, is in itself quite a, pay, quite a price to pay. Maybe we'd do a whole podcast on a particular character of the film. God, <laughs> I can't, who'd pay for this? Who'd pay for this nonsense? I tell you, we're, let's harken back to the very first podcast. I was re-watching Santa Claus the movie um, where, on Christmas, the correct time to watch it. And and it just brought it back to the fact that we'd done a whole bit on Puffy the Elf, who really had a rough deal. And like you could see his inner turmoil. When, you know, what colour should a suit be? Brown, red, and Puffy. Oh, you're going to go red. I should have gone red. Puffy, damn you, Puffy. <laughs> it's yeah. got me promotion. And I'll tell you what, sorry, we've got a mouthful of Stilton. Which is why dry roasted peanuts are better. Um, I'll tell you what, watching Santa Claus the movie on Christmas Eve, right, I had a much better experience than watching it on January the 13th. It really affected me. He's a very good Santa. He is a very good Santa. And I'll tell you, that opening 15, 20 minutes when they get caught in the blizzard and they die and they wake up as a... That's great. Yeah, yeah. 
In fact, if that the blizzard, I wasn't wrong when I watched it too, saying it's quite bleak. I had a lot to do persuading to my younger son um, that that the nice old man and his lady weren't going to die because it's very clearly portrayed that they're dying. Well, they do. They do die. They're in the afterlife, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's I practically think. the uh, the packer packer expedition going out there. He's going to be <laughs> it's, to it in a minute. It's, it's it. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact there's a scene in it where the, a bit when when the, the blizzard is its strongest and he goes he goes to um, tend to his reindeer and says, "Oh, oh don't die. yeah, don't die, blizzard, don't die." Oh, God. and he forgets that his wife's in the um, in, the, in, in the carriage and she's like, "Oh, help!" And he's like, he's, "Oh my God! Oh yeah. my God!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so I forgot my wife <laughs> yeah but it is very much the case of uh, yeah he, he's talking to his reindeer well, we're now reviewing Santa Maria but he says there's if you get across the hill there's food and warmth and a warm place to sleep here's where you die yeah. <laughs> they don't work, so they're gonna die yeah, exactly and here is where they die a more prosaic matters yes 36 films 38 directors you now wow. we know we know that um, Speed Racer has the Wachowski sisters. That accounts for two of the directors. But what film has another dual directorship? Oh, um, would the Secret of Nim count? Would that have more people working on it? The Secret of Nim wouldn't count. Well, it would count if it had two directors. But <laughs> There's nothing intrinsic about it that makes it not count. Yeah. Well, I will tell you. Shall I tell you? Because we're 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 just saying I don't know for a while is not great. It's the court jester. So the court jester is directed by well, it's directed by Melvin Frank and the rather fantastically named Norman Panama. Which is just like the perfect name for a film about as as life-affirming as the court jester do you think he began his career as norman smith and they said make it more exotic so he just opened an atlas and said where's hot norman <laughs> panama he starts wearing hats <laughs> this is great it's exotic and i can wear hats <laughs> yes so i don't know done well for directors then so you're saying we've had no duplicate directors no, we haven't. No, we no. have yet. Ne- we have yet. We are yet to choose a film um, that we have. Because we, we, we tend to we recycle actors, but uh, we, oh, we yeah, we, no, not yet. We haven't. Not no, not yet. We haven't. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's not to say that we won't this year. I don't know, but we haven't as yet chosen a film with the same director thus oh. far. Indeed. Um, so shall we? Uh, and actually, I, I've got to say that this year's films weren't. Um, that they didn't move on the the actorly canon that much i have to say obviously we had john lithgow in um memphis bill which moved him clear in the lead as a weekend favorite we've now seen three films with john lithgow nice. um obviously santa claus the movie the inaugural one so therefore i think john lithgow is our is our patreon isn't he <laughs> i don't think he knows that but it'd be nice if he was. <laughs> he's really yeah we should get try and get him on as a guest <laughs> i'm sure that'd be no problem at all um so he's moved on to three um obviously uh, jada pinkett smith is two films liam neeson is two films but they they haven't been um they haven't been extended this year uh moving into the league table matthew modine we've watched two films in matthew modine now so obviously memphis bill but can you think what the other one was oh 
Is the other Matthew uh, Modine film? The other Matthew Modine film. Oh! Now, well, I suppose it is. It's actually Bamboozled. Because he's in one scene in Bamboozled where he's playing oh, himself. Oh, my goodness. He's, yeah, he's, himself, he's, doing, he? he's doing the Jack Lemmon uh, yeah. role of giving, giving an <laughs> yeah, Oscar. That's what right? he's doing. Yeah, that's what he's doing. I guess that counts. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does count, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. So we had Juggernaut and obviously The Bounty. Peak Anthony Hopkins. Though. You that's all the Anthony Hopkins we've had. So we've had a whole follow of Anthony Hopkins. Well, you say that. Year. Your impression rears its ugly head in every episode. <laughs> I, first, I, firstly, I object to the use of the word ugly head. <laughs> and secondly, that explains why the scores were so low last year, because we have cleared not enough Anthony Hopkins in it. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, the the other person, uh, well, actually, there are two other people. To let me actually let me just check this whether there's two or three. I can't remember. Oh, no, so we've had a few more. Um, we're getting together a bit of a canon, actually. I've got to say. So right, let's have a look at this. Um, John Lithgow three films is is the is the most right. Absolutely, yep. we've not seen any more. Jada Pinkett Smith, Liam Neeson two films. Matthew Modine, obviously this year we've we've seen a film with him in. Anthony Hopkins, we've seen a film. Phil Davis. Was in Face uh, and the Bounty. Yes. Not seen any Phil Davis films this year, but um, he's certainly um, a, a favourite. John Carradine. John Carradine really? was in The Court Jester as the. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. And he was also the voice of the Great Owl in The Secret of Nim. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so that's two films. Now, Tom Lister Jr. <laughs> This is a this is what you might call a character actor, but basically he's in Trespass and he's in Runaway Train. I think you'd know him if you saw him, but he's not the most f- he's not a famous actor. Um, now there's one person that we've seen two films of this year, and they were one after the other, and that person is Freddie Jones. He was in Eric the Viking and Juggernaut. Of course he was. Yes. Yeah. So two films, two in a row, and of course, uh, David Morse. Who's in The Long Kiss Goodnight and, of course, in um, Dancer in the Dark as well. Of course, yeah. Um, a couple of... There's a gentleman who was in Bamboozled and Set It Off. Yes, Thomas Jefferson Bird. Yep. Seen two films of him. Uh, and there's uh, someone else that we've seen two films of this year, um, Lucinda Jenny. So Lucinda Jenny played the... Um, I'm just trying to think. The uh, proposed lesbian doctor in G.I. Jane, <laughs> who who, who <laughs> asked Demi Moore to go to the beach and hang out in bikinis. Yes. Um, but she was also one of um, Sandra Bullock's uh, suburban housewives. The phone who, tree. Who, yeah, yeah, on the phone she was tree. A branch like, of the phone tree. Exactly, two films this year. So, you know, these minor, these lesser known actors getting their. I think um, you mean alleged um, rather than proposed. Yeah, okay, yeah, alleged. That's what I meant. <laughs> and I'm not sure collecting actors is called a canon, but I, I know where you're going with it. Yes. Well, look, you know, a canon, a canon has to start somewhere, doesn't it? I don't think it's a canon, though. A canon. Can- yeah. No. Okay. It, yeah, well, Rep- I don't know. Re- yeah, repertoire. Yeah. A repertoire. Uh, company. Anyway, yes, a bundle, a bundle of, a of people we stick in a lot of times. Well, listen, I'm, I'm thinking ahead to my, my films of 21. We might get a few more in there. We might do. There's also uh, um, so the uh, um, uh, composer Alan Silvestri. Ah, yes. Who did Practical Magic? Um, who I think he was asked to replace the Michael Nyman Practical Magic, um, yes, uh, which I can't. I can't imagine Practical Magic with a soundtrack by Michael Nyman. But 
There we go. But anyway, Alan Silvestri also penned the, the score for The Long Kiss Goodnight. Goodnight. Yes, I don't know if I mentioned that at the time, but it did. Actually, I, I remember many years ago having a conversation with the other good lady when she uh, she said she was listening to, to movie soundtracks. I said, oh, mm. do you have any, any Alan Silvestri? And she asked, well, what's he done? I said, well, he's done it all. It's, like, he has, he has it's very hard stuff. to say what Alan Silvestri's done because he's quite ubiquitous. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Very true. Um, n- no one else really this year that's... Um, kind of poked through as it were with uh with with films so alan silvestri just has turned up um this it's year quite impressive that we we actually have so few favorites then because the, the the films we're picking i suppose they're not all our go-to films some of them are just things we've heard of but there's very few again with the exception of say john lifko there's very few cut throughs of actors we've yeah, there are. picked again it's yeah, not like you're right. directors too actually we've, we've yet to pick a same director and we've hardly touched on the same actors i mean there were no there were quite a lot of directors quite a lot of actors out in hollywood but it's interesting that we don't seem to to fall into any grooves of oh i'm picking a michael kane movie again that's true, and I suppose the other thing on that is when you look at the film, when you look at the actors that I mean, we're not we're only talking two and three films, but when you look at them, Lithgow, Pinkett Smith, Liam Neeson, Matthew Modine, Anthony Hopkins, John Carradine, Freddie Jones, David Morse, you you wouldn't call them jobbing actors, would you? You 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 wouldn't say that they, you know, they they're quality actors. Yeah. Um, they've just been in films thus far that we've chosen that have maybe fallen by the wayside or not gotten the credit they deserve. And in that regard, maybe these actors need a bit, you know, even more credit for picking out some of the films that perhaps are a bit unloved. John Lithgow particularly. I mean, there's something about John Lithgow, which is if he's in a film, it's inevitably watchable. It might not be a great film, but he's going to be good in it. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, there are some actors who will elevate a film. I remember, I, I, I recall his performance in Harry and the Hendersons and just thinking, he he does not need to put this effort into this film. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, he is, and it's great. Because you're there for the guy in the bear suit. <laughs> hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there, he was, uh, he's had a great turn in that. Yeah, you're right there. You're right. I think I think if, if there's anything to be said about uh, 2021, what we might want to do is to explore um, different countries of origin. So... 20 let's have it 27 films of our 36 are american there can be joint productions here so it yeah. doesn't add up to 36 nine are from the uk four are french but um would all four of them be yours yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so four are french but only one is actually in french yeah. which is interesting so read my lips is there dancer in the dark F for Fake must be a French production, and The Great Silence, which is Italian, so yeah. must be a French co-production. There, um, we've got one, uh, three Australian films: um, Breaker Morant, Quigley Down Under, and Speed Race. So that must have been, I think, that was made in Australia actually. That's um, and, then, and then we get into the kind of the the we've got an Iranian film. That's I can't. What's that? Oh, F for Fake. Yeah, well, that doesn't count, does it? It's just like a load. Of, <laughs> it's, it's, well, yeah. I think well, Orson Welles was just grabbing money from wherever. Well, that's what I mean. Orson Welles got money where he could, basically. The sherry was drying up by that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you want the, the our, our most popular genre, so I, I tend to exclude the genre drama because most films fall in some <laughs> category into drama. Yeah. So excluding that, our five most common um, genre films are comedy, 14 films, action, 13, thriller, 9, crime, 7, and adventure, 7. Okay. Um, we don't particularly... I, now, I thought war would be higher, but we've only chosen three war films. Is one, of them break, 
Yeah, Memphis Belle is one of them breaking Morant. Yes. Which is, again, we think we discussed isn't really a war film. It's not really it's a war film. It's more of a courtroom it? drama that about, about war. But yeah, I think uh, maybe like because uh, I'm trying to think now of, of war films I'd pick. They're either very well known, and even mm. if they're not particularly commercially successful, like I'm going to go on a pun to say Bridge Too Far probably wasn't a commercially successful film. Yes, um, they're well known. Cost. It's incredibly well known. So yeah, if, if you yeah. say, I like a movie, that's one of the first ones you go to. It's either that, or the again, classics like The Longest Day, Tora Tora Tora, or they're, or they're so obscure, I don't the, know. The, they're not really Weekend at Crombie's films, are they? <clears throat> yeah, they, um, they're, they're, it's a bit of a funny, funny batches war movies. But, I, but it, it is odd, because I would consider war, uh, the genre probably my favourite that and horror probably my really? two favourite genres yeah war war particularly well they overlap don't they really a good war film is a horror film I think in, in many ways um, or, or should be I suppose um, yeah. should be a, a, a horror film anyway there we are that's 2020 wrapped up done wow very good <laughs> we got there in the end we did indeed the, the, uh, one, one final thing one little tidbit the 36 films that we've watched um, come to 66 hours of film watching heaven how long would the combined episodes of Weekend at Grumpy's come to? Well, let's. Okay, why don't we? Why don't we? I would say, on average, yeah. on average, we're probably looking at one hour twenty minutes. I'd say that's that's fair. Yeah, we've, we're pretty consistent now. Actually, we've, yeah. we've got a, a good, a solid one hour twenty in there. The uh, oh, let's let's look. What would you say our longest podcast has been oh. this year? Oh, this year. I was going to say when were we nattered the most? Um, I might go for the longest good night. Uh, close, but oh. short by just two minutes. Juggernaut beats it by just... Um, really? What the hell did the we... The runtime of one hour 36. What did we talk about? <laughs> I mean, for all we know, two minutes of that could be my Michael, um, <laughs> my Anthony Hopkins impression. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, so the, the the one hour 30 ones, again, Secret My Success was one, Juggernaut, um, People Under the Stairs, Memphis Bell, uh, Okay. Actually, tell the ones we, we we probably felt the cult were the coolest towards. They're just a bit they're ten minutes shorter. The Great Silence is one, um, and mm. Eric the Viking is another. So if we don't like something, we'll still talk about it quite a bit, but we'll, <laughs> we'll save that last ten minutes of stuff we really enjoy. Well, let's say let's say our average is eighty-five minutes rather than eighty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if we've got thirty-six films, that's three thousand and sixty minutes. If I divide that by sixty. You're looking that's at three of, that's three end of your shows at one hour each. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, of course. So fifty-four hours solid <laughs> weekend at Crombies. So what's that? Just over two days. But you're saying it's just marginally quicker to watch thirty-six movies than it is to, <laughs> to talk about them. Oh yeah, that's insane. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just stupid, isn't it? Don't listen. Whoever you are out there, don't listen to this. Just watch the films. Like but the thing about podcast is you can do it. You can do it while you're doing the washing up. You can do it while you know you're yeah, uh, no, digging weeds out the garden. It's, up, it's it's like yeah. having a a, a a friendly pair of, of lunatics in your ears, uh, having yeah. a bit of a conversation about a film you've never seen, and um, and of and, course, and likely to. Given given that we 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 um we have no uh compunction to just give the entire plot of the film away, you Absolutely. don't then need to see the film, do you? I will. I I would caveat that with we'd probably describe it so inaccurately. You'd watch the film and thought, is that what they were talking about? <laughs> oh dear. Well, well, dear listener, 2020 draws to a close. 
And um, we have many things to look forward to in 2021. The opportunity to see loved ones again, a vaccine, travel and holidays. But of course, the thing that keeps you all going, the season four of Weekend at Crombies. That so, fourth season. The Join good us. fourth season, yeah. <laughs> Join us and I hope the, uh, the very final Weekend at Crombies of 2020 is kind to you. <laughs> good evening all. I just want to get rid of it and then it's the last of the Christmas cheese what this means is that I'll have some cracking dreams tonight (laughs) (laughs) so I shall look forward to I shall look forward to I don't know me in spandex being chased by Leslie Crowther or something like that